We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is October 6, 2022. Jonathan Osborne here, joined by producer Kevin Tucker. Kevin, what's going on, bro? Greetings, Jonathan. Greetings to everyone, Magic fam out there. Glad to be back and uh, glad to be... uh, Today, we're recording this on Wednesday, October 5th, which means we're exactly two weeks from opening night. I'm very excited. Super excited. Kevin, you were flying solo this this time last week. How how was that? Did you you have fun recording that pod? I did have fun. Something a little different, you know? Kind of talking to yourself for about 40 minutes, you know? But... uh, no, it was good. Uh, good to get to kind of share some thoughts. You know, you guys have talked about a lot of things over the course of this offseason. You know, I'm in and out of the show every once in a while. So I, I got to share some of my thoughts on some of the topics that we've been talking about all offseason and especially some of the storylines coming into this season. And there's a lot of them. And so, yeah, it was kind of fun to talk about that. And also it was super encouraging. You know, we'd kind of gone back and forth about whether to do that show in the midst of the hurricane. And it was super encouraging on YouTube and, you know, Twitter and all that kind of stuff to hear a lot of people go, hey, thanks for doing that. We were really bored or you know, been kind of honestly down the last couple of days. And so to hear that was kind of a pick me up for some magic fans. It meant a lot. So yeah, it was definitely worth it and a lot of fun. Well, you did a great job, man. I really appreciate you you getting in there and, and getting the job done and, and getting a pot out to our, our listeners. It, it meant a lot and you did a, a, a great job. I had a lot of fun listening to it. So I, I appreciate the fact that you stepped up and, and did that. We have a really exciting episode for you guys. We're going to recap the not-so-exciting uh, preseason opener between the Orlando Magic and the Memphis Grizzlies. And then we got a chance to talk to somebody that uh, I wanted to talk to for a long time, and we got the opportunity tonight. Uh, Alex Kennedy, who used to write you know, for uh, Basketball Insiders and Hoops Hype and a ton of other outlets. Now um, he runs uh, BasketballNews.com, I believe. We just talked about you know him covering the Orlando Magic at 14 years old. He was so young, he needed a chaperone to come into the game with him so that he could go in the locker room and everything like that. And he's just got a ton of great stories. You guys are really going to appreciate that. It was a lot of fun. So just big thanks to Alex for, for joining us tonight. I uh, really enjoyed talking to him. If you guys haven't already heard, coming up on October 14th, Friday, 7 o'clock, the Magic are playing the Cleveland Cavaliers as their 
preseason finale at home. And we're putting together our first ever like group outing at a Magic game. So if you guys would like to come out, we would love to have you join us. If you want to purchase your tickets, you can find those at FIVO.me slash The Six Man Show. FIVO is F-E-V-O dot M-E slash The Six Man Show. Just trying to uh, fill the lower bowl, a lot of those sections, the best that we can. Just make some noise for our Orlando Magic and get them primed for the regular season. Get Amway primed for the regular season. And for two fans that purchase tickets to that game, our buddy John McCall, who is a ticket rep with the Orlando Magic, he's giving away two sets of two tickets for the Grizzlies game on the 11th at Amway Center. So make sure that you guys get your tickets. They are selling really, really quickly, and we want to see as many of you out there as possible. It'll be great to see you guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure, again, FIVO.me slash The Sixth Man Show. Kevin, we had our preseason opener the other night against the Memphis Grizzlies. It really did not go the way that we had all hoped. Uh, the Magic Fall 109-97 to to the Memphis Grizzlies in Memphis. It was the preseason debut, uh, really NBA debut of Paolo Bancaro. And then we got to see guys that obviously we haven't seen since April. You know, really live basketball, Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Wendell Carter, Mo Bamba, Chuma OKK, which I'm still getting used to saying that. So any, everyone just bear with me as I continue to, to uh, tune up to that. But Kevin, um, it wasn't really a fun game to watch. Thoughts uh, on the preseason opener? Well, uh, I think we looked like a team that was playing their first preseason game, had missed, you know, depending on you know who you ask, three to four games of, of training camp or three to four days of training camp. Um, yeah, we just looked like a very unpolished basketball team. And so I, I have to give a little bit of credit to the Memphis Brit- Grizzlies broadcast team. They mentioned that several times. You know, hey, you know, check this Orlando Magic team. You know, don't take too much away from this. You know, they've had a rough, you know, last week with the hurricane and all that kind of stuff. And so shout out to them for at least mentioning that. And I think a lot of that's true. I don't know how much of, you know, Monday night to blame on the lack of training camp, but at the very least it was our first, you know, preseason game and it's always going to look a little bit rough, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, you know, some positives, I guess, I think my biggest negative that I saw was, you know, regardless of how many days of training camp there were, Jamal Mosley said, you know, from day one, working on defense, that's what we're doing. You know, we're not even doing any offensive stuff and, and, and the defense was pretty bad for most of the night on Monday. Now, granted, it's the Grizzlies. They are an incredibly tough team to defend. They play a really, number one, fun style of play as, as a neutral. They're really fun to watch, but it's high energy, lots of movement, lots of passing. It makes it tough. So that was a little bit concerning, but I don't, I, we're not going to take too much out of this game. I know we're not going to talk a lot about it, but um, definitely a, a, a rough warm up. but hey, it's a warm up. We got four more to go until the regular season. I'm sure a lot of those Kings will get sorted out. Well, you mentioned, you know, you missed multiple days of training camp and a lot of those days, the team had two a days planned. So, you know, you missed tons of sessions of practice with this team. I, I, I would hope because they just looked so awful the other night. I would hope that, um, you know, they would have looked at least a little bit better given some more time in, in training camp. We talk about the turnovers, 27, yeah, or, uh, 25 turnovers 25. for the Magic, leading to 33 points for the Memphis Grizzlies magic shot 39% from the floor, 33% from the three point line Memphis, honestly, not much better. Um, but just anytime you're turning the ball over and giving the other team extra possessions, it's really going to be tough. 
offensively, you know, again, the Magic were definitely making a, a concerted effort to move the ball, but doing so somewhat carelessly, again, 25 turnovers, and just settling for bad shots, like settling yeah. for a lot of threes in this game. The Magic shot 54 threes. <laughs> That's, that is not going to continue into the regular season. I can almost guarantee you that. But on the other hand, you're playing a team that, you know, if John Morant doesn't get injured in the playoffs last year, had a chance to go to the Western Conference Finals. So you're playing a team that, one, like the Magic, has a ton of continuity, has a, you know, MVP caliber player. John Morant was in the MVP conversation for a lot of the last regular season. Uh, so it's a very good Memphis Grizzlies team that you're playing. It's the first preseason game. You're knocking the rust off. Guys talked about getting the turnovers kind of out of their system. You miss a couple of days of training camp. Not saying that that's an excuse, but I don't think that you can ignore that. So like Kevin said, we're not going to talk too much about this, but um, I just wanted to highlight a couple of guys specifically. RJ Hampton, to me, was the the surprise of, of the night. 25 minutes, 6 of 11 from the floor, 2 of 6 from the three-point line, 14 points, 7 assists, 1 turnover for RJ Hampton. Just played more under control than I can remember RJ playing in a really long time. Looked the way that we wanted to see him look in summer league. Like this is how you would have expected him to perform in summer league against kind of the lower rung talent of the NBA. And then Cole Anthony, you know, Cole Anthony, 17.6 of 10 from the floor, four of eight from the three point line, which was the biggest deal to me. Um, I know he's tweaked his mechanics a little bit in the offseason, I believe. But the magic success, I mean, Cole Anthony shoots anywhere near 50% from the three point line, which he will not. But if he does, you know, that's that's going to be huge for the Magic. You know, he's a right now career below average three point shooter. If we get him into those upper 30s, it's going to be a big deal, Kevin. Yeah, absolutely. I thought, you know, he looked, you know, really, really good. Um, RJ, I totally agree. A great, great night from him. Super impressive. It's um, it's one of those things. Oh, another guy I want to mention, Devin Kennedy. You know, everyone knows his role. He's He's a shooter. Really good at it. But yeah, he knocked down three threes in six minutes. I mean, three for four, like he was lights out coming off the bench. So that was another bright spot. I thought Terrence had a good game as well. I mean, you know, two of seven from three, you know, maybe could be a little bit better, but all by and large, he was getting good looks, which is something that we've talked about, um, especially last year. That was a little bit harder to come by. I thought he worked, did really well to get good looks, not just from three, but he also took a lot of, you know, mid-range jumpers, not a lot, but several mid-range jumpers. Um, and knock those down. Another guy, Mo Wagner, man. Mo Wagner was sensational, at least shooting the basketball. and knocked down four threes, four of six from three. Um, yeah, but out, outside of that, there's not a whole lot of things that I thought were super encouraging, um, especially considering. I don't. I know we're not gonna we're not gonna dole out too much. I just have to say it because I was one of the guys that was hyping things up. Bull Bull, his first appearance, played 20 minutes. Didn't knock down a field goal, had one free throw, you know, over two from the field. He did have six boards, two assists, two turnovers, a foul, you know, just have to mention it. You know, we're going to mention the highs. We're going to mention the lows. It's something to keep an eye on. We said bull bulls a mystery. We'll continue to keep an eye on it. Um, I really, really wanted Caleb Houston to knock down his first, uh, at least get his first points in, in the NBA well, preseason. And he wasn't able to do that either. So, um, yeah, a lot of offers when you look at this box score, which isn't great, um, but like I said, we've got four more games, and especially the next one. We'll talk about that Thursday. Well, tonight, as you guys are listening to this, um, against the Spurs, probably the most winnable one on our preseason schedule. The Spurs are not good. Even Popovich said it himself, which is kind of crazy um, for him to say that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so hopefully hopefully, we'll look a little bit better on Thursday night. 
Well, I mean, some of those performances that we just highlighted, Devin Kennedy, RJ Hampton, Terrence Ross, Moritz Wagner, you go down and you never want to look too deeply into a single game's you know, sure. box plus minus. But, I mean, plus seven, plus four, plus seven, plus one, plus nine, plus two, plus two. That's the bench. You look at the starters, minus 18, minus 18, minus 23, minus 18, minus 20. Now, sure, our starters are going up against Memphis's starters, but I think really the starting lineup looked the ugliest, just kind of the most disjointed, unorganized offensively, just not really sure what to do with the ball. Sure, they were moving the ball around a ton, but just weren't able to get any penetration. You could tell that by the 54 threes that they jacked up. But, I mean, Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Paolo Bancaro, these are all guys that we've talked about that they can get to their spot at any time that they want. And we didn't really see too much of that from this game. So, again, don't want to dive too deeply into it, but we wanted to highlight the bad, the good today and and last night, really, or the last couple of days. We're recording this Wednesday. You you just seen people losing their minds after one preseason game, just how this team is going to be garbage, how we need to tank. I know we want to talk a little bit about the G League Ignite versus the French professional team, the Met 92 or whatever they are. That was a, that game was a lot of fun, but everybody just calm down, okay? Like Kevin mentioned, you miss a couple of days in training camp. You miss multiple training sessions. Guys were you know supposed to run two-a-days. There were some bright spots. You know, Guys definitely looked rough, but it's one preseason game. You can't take anything from any one single game in the NBA. We say this all the time during the regular season. You blow a team out, you don't want to get too high. You want to move on to the next game. You get blown out, guess what? You play again tomorrow night. One, It's one game. It is one preseason game against a very good opponent who had already played a preseason game, by the way. Right. So just everybody relax. Now, if we look terrible against the Spurs, we might be having a different conversation here, but let's let's get a couple of preseason games out of our system before we start jumping to conclusions. I, I do want to touch on one other thing from this game. It's something that you and me and Luke have discussed. Do we want to talk about the, the starting lineup that was deployed uh, that game? I guess we should. So, yeah. yeah, I think we have to. You know, the, that was one of the biggest question marks and still is coming into the regular season for all Magic fans. Who's going to start? Who's going to start? Especially because... You know, especially right now, we don't know who's healthy. You know, opening night, we hope Markel is healthy, all that stuff. But the starting lineup that was rolled out on Monday uh, of Cole, Jalen, uh, Paolo, Wendell, and Mo Bamba um, surprised some people. I think surprised Jonathan. Um, what were your initial thoughts on that? And uh, I guess your thoughts on the starting lineup going forward, you know, with with what we what we know. Well, to be honest with you, like Monday night, I, I slept pretty well, like in regards of the starting lineup, like no Franz. So, okay. Like you throw Mo Bamba in there, you know, he's played a lot with this unit. He's familiar with, you know, the, the scheme that they're looking to play with the style of play that they're looking to have. He's played next to Wendell Carter Jr. Before Paolo Bancaro can really play with anybody. So I wasn't all that concerned about it. Then about Tuesday morning, Luke and Kevin start throwing out the ideas of like, Oh no, this is going to be like, that he might intend to start Mo Bamba like in the regular season. And then I just really started sweating, just thinking about like the style of play that we want to have, what is valued in today's NBA when we talk about winning at the highest level. It's having positional versatility up and down the lineup on both ends of the floor. Mo Bamba isn't exactly what I would call the most defend the most uh, versatile defender or offensive player. 
on offense, we know very much Mo Bamba's going to you know, set some screens and he's going to post up at the three-point line hoping that he can just get a rhythm spot-up shot. On defense, we know he's going to guard the other team's power forward. And then if a guard tries to come into the lane or the other team's center tries a little you know, hook move, he's going to come over and try to get a, a weak side block. Like We know that's what we're going to get out of Mo Bamba. It just, to me, doesn't really line up with what the team is looking to do long-term. To me, if it's Markel, right, when he comes back, if you're going to start Cole or Jalen, I think there's an argument to be had for both of those guys next to Markel. But then just it's a no-brainer. It should be Franz, Paolo, Wendell. Starting five should be Markel, Franz, Paolo, Wendell, and then really whoever else you want to throw into that two spot, really other than Obama. But yeah, I wasn't worried about it. Kevin and Luke got me worried about it. Kevin, what do you think? Um, to to be fair, when I brought that up in our conversation, it was based on what we saw last year. You know, last year we talked about this. It was this time last year that that uh, Coach Mosley started rolling out the Bomba Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, lineup that really kind of surprised all of us, and we thought, yeah, okay, that's cool. We'll see how that works out. And then it actually, statistically worked pretty well over the course of the regular season. And so that was me referring back to that and knowing that there was some levels of success with that that made me wonder if Mosley is considering keeping those two guys together and then filling out the rest of the starting lineup after that. Um, uh, it's hard because in my mind still is Monday night, which wasn't a good experience, you know? And so I'm trying not to, you know, let that influence things too much. Um, there's still also a lot of conversations about Franz playing the two. You know, if we remember back to media day, Franz was talking about uh, what his role was at Eurobasket, what his position, literally someone asked him, what kind of position were you playing there? And he said, very similar, you know, identical to here in Orlando. I was the t- the two and the three. You know, that's exactly the words that came out of Franz's mouth. And so a lot of people were like, oh, well, I guess Franz will play some two this year. And so I guess the lineup is, you know, Markel or Cole, depending on what camp you're in at the one. And then Franz, Paolo, Wendell Mobamba at the five. And so still four more preseason games to get that figured out. Um, but, you know, that was one of the biggest conversations coming into preseason is who's the starting lineup? You know, what what's that going to look like? And so we got at least our first glimpse of a starting lineup on Monday. We'll be interested to see, you know, what other lineups he rolls out over the next, you know, four preseason games. Yeah, I know that we've, you know, there's been, you know, talks and, you know, even Franz, like you said, mentioned, you know, playing a little bit of the two. I don't want to turn this into a massive Franz Wagner conversation, but just something that came into my head as we're thinking about this. I know that Franz in certain stretches last year, you know, guarded ones, guarded twos at times. I just don't think you want him doing that for like 30 minutes a night, like chasing around guys like Devin Booker and, you know, Clay Thompson and, you know, some of the other two guards in the league. Cause that's just going to drain him. Like right. in my opinion, at six ten chasing those guys. And he's still got to, we're expecting him to have a, a fairly significant output offensively. So I don't know. Um, I, I'm worried now to be perfectly honest with you, because I hope that's not the case. These guys, you know, Jamal Mosley gets paid a lot of money to coach this team. He knows far better than I do, uh, but it just doesn't really align with what we've heard and, and kind of the, the way that they've been building this team. Um, to to run that kind of lineup. And I, I just want to point out here um, in terms of like the starting lineups that we saw last year. Um, so the first game we saw Terrence Ross, Gary Harris, Wendell Carter, Franz Wagner, Jalen Suggs. Uh, the second game was Etwan Moore, Gary Harris, Mo Wagner, Mo Bamba, Cole Anthony. The, la- uh, the third game was Terrence Ross, Gary Harris, Wendell Carter, 
Mo Bamba, Jalen Suggs. So pretty close to what we saw in the regular season. And the final game, Gary Harris, Wendell Carter, Mo Bamba, Cole Anthony, Franz Wagner. We know that Jalen missed that game with a non-COVID illness. So he probably would have started that game in Gary Harris's spot as it was kind of the dress rehearsal before the regular season. So all that to say that the first preseason starting lineup doesn't really have typically any bearing on what we're going to see in the regular season. Now, that could not be the case, and it could be the lineup that we saw on Monday. I'd be a little bit surprised by that, but but who knows? Yeah, so if you come to the six-man show outing against the Cavaliers on October 14th, then you could see the potential starting lineup in person with other six-man show yes. listeners. Do you like that plug? That was perfect. That thank was you. perfect, Kevin. Thank you, thank you. Let, let's talk, because again, there's a lot of uh, you know speculation and people jump to conclusions after Monday night's preseason game. Tuesday night, we got to see Victor Wembanyama face off against Scoot Henderson, who for as long as I can remember now, have been the number one and, and two ranked prospects in this upcoming draft class. Both of those guys looked incredible. Kevin, what were your thoughts? The first first thoughts before I even talk about, you know, those guys as draft prospects, you know, this game was very hyped up, like a lot. And more often than not, things that are really hyped up don't ever live up to the hype. But that game was awesome. It was so entertaining from the jump. Not just those guys. Those two guys, by far and away, the stars of the show. And they're incredible. And we'll talk about them. But even the guys around them, like it was a very, you know, the score, you know, went back and forth a little bit. It wasn't always close, but a very good basketball game. A lot of talent. Um, very exciting. And so first off, hats off to them for being so young and playing up to the hype. I can't imagine the pressure going into stuff like that. But at the same time, those guys have been facing pressure for years, you know. Um, so yeah, super fun game. Uh, but as far as individually, we'll talk about Wimbenyama. Scoot Henderson is legit, man. Like if you guys have not He's watched awesome. him, you're going to hear all this talk about Wimbenyama and you should, He's unbelievable. But Scoot Henderson is legit and probably in most other drafts would go number one, like guaranteed. He's unbelievable. Not just talented, really fun to watch, like a really fun basketball player. And so whoever gets him next year is going to be, you know, really, really pumped. But yeah, Wimbenyama, man, that dude, I know we talk about the Greek freak, but this guy's a freak, like in the best sense of the word. Like we've never seen anything like it before. Um, yeah, you know, if, you, if you're talking about comparisons, like he's kind of close to Giannis. Like if you think about tall and lanky and can handle the ball and all that kind of stuff, but he's, he's different even from Giannis. Like he can, he, obviously he's got range that Giannis doesn't have already, you know, stepping out and shooting threes. I, I think they're going to have to lower the, the jumbotrons at some of these or raise some of the jumbotrons at these arenas. Cause like, not only does he step back, his shot is like, it like skies, like it's high, dude. It's crazy. Part of it is cause he's, it starts so high, but um, so that was interesting, but yeah, I could talk a while about him, but those guys were so fun to watch. And again, considering their age, considering where they are in life and like the ceiling of both those guys is ridiculous to think about. And I'm, I'm super excited to get to witness it no matter what team they end up on. Do you ever like look at some of these young kids and just think of like how talented they are and how successful they are? And you're like, man, you know, at some point I wish that was me. And, you know, although I'm, I'm very happy where I am in life, but it's just like, man, those kids are doing it. You know? Yeah. Like when I was 18 years old, I was like drinking strawberry milk and eating Sandy's cookies for breakfast. Like that's what I was doing in college. Like, and these guys are waking <laughs> up and going to the gym and, you know, being the best basketball players in their age bracket on the planet. And it's just like, okay, whatever. I'll never be that cool. 
so I've been watching you know, Wembenyama for a few years now. I remember there was a, a clip. I, I don't know if it was before one of the World Cups, but he was like 15, 16 years old playing one-on-one against Rudy Gobert and like knocking down jumpers in Rudy Gobert's face. And it was just, it was crazy at the time. And everyone was like, you need to watch out for this Wembenyama kid. Like he's coming in a few years. And we, I kind of saw like my first live glimpse of him last year playing in the FIBA U19 World Championships, France versus the United States. It was Chet versus Wembenyama heading into that game. And although I think they're very different players in certain respects, obviously the, the frames are, are very similar. So there was a, a pretty um, you know, good comparison with those guys. But in that game, Victor Wembenyama dominated Chet. Like he was just the best player on the floor by far. The only reason that the U.S. won that game is because Wembenyama fouled out of that game, which we saw that happen in, in this game as well. He fouls out at the end. But man, this kid, he's just like as as big as Bull Bull, but he moves and shoots like Kevin Durant. It, it's just the most bizarre thing that we've ever seen. And I know people have some of the same concerns and questions about his frame that they did with Chet. And, you know, some of those are, you know, based or, or, or not. In fact, you know, you see that Chet has now had the injury to his foot. But Wembenyama, to me, looks more like Giannis did this, you know, slight frame back in, you know, what was it, 2013. And now we've seen the way that he's filled out. I'm not saying that Wembenyama is going to be able to fill out in the same way. But that frame, to me, looks like it would be able to put on and handle more weight than, you know, Chet's would. So just that's the only comparison that I'm going to make between those guys. But man, they were down big in this game against G League Ignite. And in the third and fourth quarter, the kid was unstoppable. And it's not just that he's like spotting up for threes. It's like off the dribble. He's coming off of like curls, catching the ball and raising up. And the stroke is so smooth. It's ridiculous. I say all that to say Scoot Henderson is legit, like crazy athletic, crazy fast, crazy strong can get his shot off basically from anywhere on the floor, can knock it down from all three levels, is a much better playmaker than I anticipated. Like the kid's vision was really impressive. Some of the passes that he was making were really impressive. But the Mads will not be in contention to draft these guys. At least I hope so, Kevin. People today were saying, we need to start the tank now. Woj put out a a tweet. Essentially, uh, he was talking to a, a GM, an NBA GM, and was quoted saying, this is going to be a race to the bottom like we've never seen. When you think about teams like Utah, like San Antonio, like Indiana, these teams that, who have you know, made pretty significant moves to tank this season, I just feel like we're, we're not going to be able to catch those teams. If the Magic get some you know, lottery luck, you know, a la you know, 1993 and, and drafting Penny Hardaway, that's one thing. But I don't, I don't know that we're going to be at Harry Buffalo again this year, feeling pretty good about getting the number one pick, as as bad as you might want it this year. Yeah, it's it's definitely tough because yeah, I mean Tuesday night was incredible, and you're just like drooling over the thought of those guys wearing magic uniforms. But at the same time, we have a great young core. And let me back up one more time. It also doesn't help that that came after Monday night. Like the timing couldn't have been exactly. worse. You know, yeah, like, yep. it couldn't have been worse. All of that to say. Um, yeah, it's it's uh it's definitely one of those things where you just got to trust what we have. You know, a week ago we were all super pumped, super excited for what we have and for the season and on and on like that. Let's stay with that mindset, and you know maybe you know after a couple months into the season, the conversation comes back around depending on where the team is, 
but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. For now, let's stay focused. Let's stay excited for this team, excited for the season, and let's just see how it unfolds. Completely agree, Kevin. Let's go ahead and shout out our patrons. So if you guys haven't been listening to the show for very long, we do have a Patreon channel where you can join one of our three tiers of benefits and help financially support the show. If you would like to join our Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash the sixth man show. Again, three awesome tiers of benefits, including access to our discord channel. Um, One of our tiers, we also have monthly zoom sessions uh, where we just sit and hang out and talk Orlando magic basketball. Those are always a ton of fun. So if you're interested in that, again, you can find us at patreon.com slash the sixth man show. And we shout out our brand new patrons every single episode, whenever we have them. And we gave a, a massive shout out to Fuchsia Yamashiro last week. Kevin, we have another massive shout-out that we need to give to Juan Geraldo. So Juan Geraldo, uh, he joined our $10 Hall of Fame uh, tier in our Patreon, but he went the whole year, just straight up, one one lump sum, just all the way, pledged for the entire year. And uh, we're actually getting ready to send a message to our patrons tonight. We just got some new equipment in today. All of the money from the Patreon goes back into the show, whether it's monthly expenses or additional resources or new equipment to help us bring you guys better and you know more exciting content. So a big shout out to Juan Geraldo. Uh, and if you guys, if you don't want to go through the trouble of having like this recurring fee that comes out of your account every single month, you can just go ahead and pledge and, and pay for the whole year up front and you'll have access to all of our benefits for the entire year. So massive shout out to Juan Geraldo. Really, really appreciate that. And then apart from our brand new patrons, we shout out our Hall of Fame tier patrons every single week. Kevin, do you want to do the pleasure? I don't have it in front of me today. It's all you, don't you have it in front of you. All right. Yep. I don't mind. Let's go ahead and shout out Court Cousins, Armin, Carson Tulo, Jonathan Borges, Norm L, Magic Player History, Bailey, Wiffle, Michael Salapong, Franz Go to Fisho, Ryan Singh, The Distract, I'm Ron Burgundy, Pierre A, Migzors. Migzor, shout out to Migzor's recently uh, upgraded from our all-star tier to our Hall of Fame tier. Really appreciate Migzor's. He helps run the Orlando Magic subreddit. We love that guy. Thanks so much to Migzor's. Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Lil Penny, Drum, Danimal, Dotto15, Bobby Skinner, Nate Donnelly, Goaty93, Teddy Sylvia, Breadhead, Brian Leggins, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, and Juan Geraldo. Thank you guys so much for the support. All right, let's get into our interview with Alex Kennedy from BasketballNews.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, Orlando Magic fans, we are joined by a very special guest. Uh, We'll talk more about his career covering the Orlando Magic, but right now, uh, he works with basketballnews.com. I'm joined by Alex Kennedy. Alex, how are you, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. I know we were talking a little bit off air, but I've been following you since like 2013, 2014 on Twitter. You know, the different outlets that you've been with, it, it's been really cool to kind of follow you and just see your your growth over time. I know you're you're from the Tampa area as well, so I've always you know, notice that about you. You've got the the Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers, the the Brady twelve on. Um, but yeah, man, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, how are you feeling about the the Bucks so far? I'm feeling good. First of all, thank you so much. That's very kind of you to to say. Uh, I feel good. I, I you know it's been a rough start. Uh, the offense hasn't looked great. The defense was looking great until the Chiefs game. So I don't know. I think we all knew that the first four games were going to be pretty brutal. Uh, it's a hard schedule. Fortunately, I think next three games are Atlanta, Carolina, Pittsburgh. So kind of get back on track with some of those teams. But yeah, you know, I I grew up in Florida. I still live here. So uh, I I was a huge Magic fan growing up. Uh, You know, I'm still a huge Bucks fan. Uh, You know, we're talking about it off air. But whenever you're in journalism, especially when I was coming up, they they talked about how you can't really be a fan of a team. They kind of beat it out of you. No cheering in the press box, that kind of thing. Now, nowadays, it's a bit different. But um, I was a huge diehard Magic fan. Uh, still am a huge diehard Bucks fan. Uh, so yeah, you know, I'm still local here. So Alex, you have a pretty interesting story in the way that you kind of, your journalism journey started. Um, it actually started covering the magic, uh, for, with a real GM. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I was 14 years old. I was writing for different message boards, things like that. Uh, and then I started writing for realgm.com. Um, one of the other writers at real GM got credentialed to a warriors game and I thought, you know, I'm at the same outlet he is. Could I potentially cover my local team, which was the Magic? Um, so I reached out to their PR department. And Jason Wallace, who was there at the time, was super friendly and basically said, you know, look, come try covering a few games. See if it's what you like, if you want to, you know, potentially pursue this career. Uh, because I was so young, I had to actually bring my dad with me to the games, which looking back, very embarrassing. But um, it was such a cool experience. And I, I just couldn't believe that that was actually a job. Like, you know, you got to go to games for free, get great seats, go courtside before and after the game, go in the locker room, talk to the players. Like it was like my dream job from that first time I did it. So um, I kept doing it for the first like two or three years. I just tried to stay out of the way and kind of, you know, not be like that annoying, obnoxious kid. Uh, so I was just super quiet, kind of watching the other writers and uh, learning from them, uh, just seeing how they asked questions, what they did. Um, and then what by the time I was like 18 or 19 years old, 
uh, it almost became an advantage for me because I was around the same age as some of the younger players. So, you know, we were listening to the same music, had some things in common. And I noticed that they'd rather talk to me sometimes than some of the older writers that maybe didn't understand them as well. Um, so I started to kind of build some relationships with different players uh, throughout that time. And uh, that's how I got my first full-time writing job uh, with, at the time it was called Hoops World. Uh, they were owned by USA Today Sports. So, you know, I was getting some one-on-one interviews with players, some breaking news. Like I would text with different players, their agents about free agency or trade rumors and things like that. Um, so it went from kind of me just being the young kid, uh, you know, and, and at that time there were certain players that were really cool to me. Like my first ever interview was, was with uh, Jameer Nelson, guys like Tim Duncan, Grant Hill, Kobe Bryant, they would talk to me. And part of it was because like, you don't want to be a jerk to the little kid. Um, so it went from me just kind of being the little kid in the locker room to by the time I'm 19, 20 years old, I'm starting to break some news and kind of develop those relationships with guys. Um, so yeah, it kind of ended up working out in my favor and it led to my first full-time job. So you mentioned, you know, the first game, obviously, you know, you're 14 years old, your dad had to, to chaperone. What was that experience like for your dad? Have you ever had that conversation with him? Yeah, he's from Philadelphia. He's a huge uh, Sixers fan. So he loves basketball. Um, so he thought it was really cool too. Like, you know, we had went to some Magic games as fans. Uh, you know, he's, he's a huge sports fan. So growing up, you know, we were always trying to go to different basketball games, whether it's like, you know, USF Bulls, college basketball games, NBA games. So for him, he was thinking, this is amazing. Like we literally get to go courtside, talk to the players, you know, go in the locker room. Um, you know, he was in the locker room. He would just kind of stand to the side, let me do my thing. He wasn't trying to get in the way. Um, but there was definitely times where, you know, I'd be talking to a player and, you know, he would kind of just take pictures or he'd get to say something to the guy. Um, so he thought it was cool too. He basically thought, you know, my 14 year old son just figured out a way for us to get free tickets. Like this is kind of a cheat code. <laughs> Uh, so he had a good time. I, I do thank him, though, because I lived in Land O'Lakes at the time. And that's an hour and a half, hour, 45 dr minute drive. A lot of times like on work nights. Um, so we weren't getting home at times till like, you know, 1 a.m. So uh, I think it was really cool in the beginning and then over over time, because for a while there, I was covering like two to three games a month. Usually I would get the games when like it was a small market team. So they had extra credentials or it was like a holiday game. Like so people just didn't want to be there. They want to be with their family. Um, but yeah, I would cover two or three games a month and, uh, you know, he was willing to drive me over there. So it was pretty cool. Unfortunately, growing up in Newport, Richie, I know that hour and 45, two and a half hour sometime drive from Pasco County out to Orlando. So I know that all too well, yeah. but Alex, you touched on something that I find pretty interesting, um, and, and that I'm super passionate about. You mentioned how kind of when you were first coming up as a journalist, that there was this like stigma almost that you couldn't have a rooting interest, right? That you can't, you know, cheer in the press box and, and things like that. And that seems to be changing a little bit, not totally. I mean, there's still a an etiquette that needs to be followed, you know, when you're covering an NBA team really closely. But what do you think is has like the the thinking around that has changed? Why do you think that is? Yeah, I think uh that was kind of created by a lot of like the newspaper beat writers and columnists. Like those were the guys that were in the media room when I was coming up. Um so a lot of the times those guys are just assigned to a certain beat. It's not like they grew up a fan of that team or anything. I, I think nowadays you see with like the rise of blogs and different, you know, team podcasts like this one, uh, you know, even some of the biggest media members out there, like you see, you know, Bill Simmons and some of these guys, like they have, they have their fandoms and, and they root for those teams openly. I think the big thing is just when you're in the locker room and you're covering a game credential, you know, have to, you have to be professional. Like you said, there's a certain etiquette, you know, you don't want to be, 
uh, screaming from the press box or, you know, fangirling in the locker room or like I've seen, I've legit seen in the locker room, people ask for autographs and they get banned immediately. Like the security will come kick them out of the locker room and they lose their credential and they get added to a list. So they never get added again. So like, I think that's where people hear the word fan and they're like, of course you don't want fans in the locker room. Uh, I think it's different whenever you're working for like a blog uh, and you're, you know, doing it professionally. Um, because I think those, a lot of times those people are super passionate and they watch every single minute of the team, their, their season, you know, and, and they have really good coverage because they are so invested in the team. Um, they ask the right questions because they're wondering, they, they know what the fans want to hear and what they uh, want answered. So I think uh, I wish I came up in this era where you can be a fan because the other thing too, is whenever you're, you know, told that you can't be a fan of a team and, and you kind of lose your, your rooting interest, uh, it can lead to burnout. You know, you, you go from having this team that you love and players that you're rooting for, and you're basically told like, Hey, be a robot. Don't root for anyone. So it's like, okay, I'm just watching basketball quietly. And, you know, I don't really have any team to root for. And, um, you know, I think one thing that I've learned is that, you know, it's okay to root for certain players. Like I, I have different relationships with players, so I've gotten to know them and their family. So I always want to see those guys do well, especially if they're great guys and I know their family. So like, I love when I see one of those kind of guys get a huge contract. Um, over the years, I've developed friends in the Magic organization, you know, whether it's coaches, executives, people like that. So when they do well, it's always fun. So I think it goes from kind of rooting for a specific team to like rooting for certain people that you've gotten to know really well. And that kind of becomes your rooting interest. Um, but yeah, you know, I have no problem with with fans uh, being credentialed uh, and, and the rise and kind of, uh, you know, seeing that kind of change uh, as long as, like you said, they have the right etiquette, they're professional and they're doing things the right way. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I have no issue with it uh, as long as those things are, you know, followed. Yeah, you certainly can't be yelling in the locker room. We can't have any of that. And I know, you know, you probably feel like you're a little bit too far gone, but there's plenty of room back on this Orlando Magic bandwagon. If you want to, you know, pick up the 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 blue and, and the white pinstripes again, uh, we're, we're we're here for you anytime that uh anytime you change your mind about that. But I love it. I know that you know you talked about covering the team back in the early you know two thousands and you know you covered like the the Dwight Howard teams, Jameer Nelson, JJ Redick, some of those guys, and you mentioned that you you have some stories uh, about those guys. I was just wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing maybe a couple of those. Yeah, sure. My first game I covered ever, I mentioned my first interview was Jameer Nelson. So I walk in the locker room, I'm 14 years old. I ask him if I can interview him. And he was amazing. He was the nicest guy. Um, and, you know, gave me like 15 minutes. We're talking after the interview. He was like, those were great questions. Uh, and he's like, are you getting paid to be here? And I was like, no, you know, <laughs> I'm just uh, doing it for experience, trying to see if I want to do this for a career. And he's like, no, that's not acceptable. You know, I need to be your agent. Uh, you know, you need to, I need to represent you. You need to get paid. I'm talking to your boss. Like he was joking around. It's like every time I would see him, you joke about how I should be getting paid and I need to bug my boss for a raise. Uh, Steve Francis was really cool. Um, every single game after he finished his uh, post-game scrum in the locker room, um, you know, he would walk out with me to the parking lot where, uh, like the player parking lot. Um, and he would ask, you know, did you get all your questions in? Like he knew I was nervous. I think he could tell, like I was a little kid and didn't want to, you know, chime in when all these reporters are trying to ask their questions and write on deadlines. So he would like pull me off to the side and like give me one-on-one -on -one interviews so I could get some practice in asking questions. And it's cool. I had him on a podcast uh, a year or two ago. And I was able to tell him like how much I appreciated that because that was like a really cool thing for me because, uh, you know, he was a star of the team at the time. He was an all-star caliber player, like 
for him to kind of make that time. Um, and I mean, he didn't think he was gaining anything out of it. He was just being a nice guy that was helping a kid who was doing interviews. So that was really cool. Um, you know, I got to meet Kobe Bryant at a really young age, which is awesome. I got a one-on-one interview with him. I was emailing his PR director for like months and months and months. And then, uh, when they came to Orlando, they had this, they had an event for him. It was like the boys and girls club of Orlando. They were giving him like a key to the city, which is kind of weird looking back, but, um, <laughs> he, uh, he made time and talked to me for like 10, 15 minutes. And that was like a crazy moment, uh, for me. I was 16 years old, I think. Uh, and I was working at Kmart at the time and I had to tell my boss, like, <laughs> can I get my shift covered? Because I have an interview with Kobe Bryant. And they were like, what are you talking about? Like, you, this is crazy. That's not real. They thought I was lying. And so I showed them the emails and everything and they believed me, let me go. Um, this is probably my best story. Kylo Quinn, uh, <laughs> when he was on the uh, magic, he's good old Kyle. He's the best. Like he, there, I have so many Kyle stories, but I got to know him during his, uh, pre-draft process. He was working out at impact basketball in Las Vegas. Um, and I went out there for like a week, got to know all the players that were at impact. And, uh, one day he invites me and my boss, Steve Kyler to, uh, to dinner. And we had kind of been hanging out with him in the gym and stuff like that, getting to know him pretty well. So we go to dinner, we show up and, uh, there's a bunch of people there and we're like, what is this? Like, we thought we were just meeting up with you and like another player or two. Uh, it turns out it was like Floyd Mayweather's sister's birthday party. So we show up and like, all these people are there and he's like, Oh, you want to come with us afterwards? Like we're going to 24, uh, 24 hour fitness to play pickup with Floyd. And I'm like, wait, what? So we get in the car, we drive over to 24 hour fitness and Floyd Mayweather pulls up in this ridiculous, like Maybach guys pour out of it, like his like security and stuff like that. And he proceeds to play pickup with Floyd. It's like 2 AM at 24 hour fitness. It's like, it's Kylo Quinn, Ashton Gibbs, Xavier, forget the guy's last name, but it's like four or five like future NBA players, Floyd Mayweather, and then like a group of random college kids. And it was so funny watching. It was Floyd and the NBA guys against these random kids. And they're just like blocking everything, dunking on dudes. Uh, Floyd was actually really good. He had a good handle. He was quick, like super athletic, obviously. Um, and at one point during the pickup game, Floyd goes up for a layup and a guy tries to block him and like gets Floyd in the head with an elbow. And like for a split second, you could see Floyd was like, his eyes changed and was like, this dude just hit me. And that kid got so scared and immediately started apologizing. Like, sorry, sorry, sorry. And then Floyd was like, okay. And starts laughing, like kind of laughs it off and was like, okay, it's like that. But like, you could tell for a second, like that kid's life flashed before his eyes. Um, So, and then they went, uh, we ended up going back to our hotel. We were exhausted, but um, Kyle, the young guys, I think Jared Dudley was there. They all went back to Floyd's house and like ended up staying overnight and seeing all his cars and everything. So like to this day, Kyle came to my podcast about a year or two ago and we talked about it and he was like cracking up about the story. But he's one of like the most charismatic, funny people I've ever met. Not even just NBA players, just people in general. There was one time, this is the last story, these are a lot, but- um, No, you can keep going, this is great. (laughs) One time, Kyle O'Quinn noticed that, uh, uh, he printed out a picture of Vooch's girlfriend and put it in his locker. And like had some kind of like message on it. And he basically left it there to see like how long it would take Vooch to notice that like he supposedly had like a picture and like note from his girlfriend and he leaves it there. And like, I think like a week goes by and then like Vooch spots it. And he's like, what is that? He's like, oh, it's this girl I'm seeing. Like makes him think that he's like talking to this girl and like knowing all along is Vooch's girlfriend. Like uh, he just had so many like pranks and stuff like that. He's a really funny guy. Like Kyle's the man. Um, 
And then the, the last thing I would say is like the Dwight Mayer situation was just like crazy. That like every day things were changing. At one point it seemed like he's going to the Nets. And then uh, there was the whole opt-in situation. Like going through that was wild. Um, and yeah, just talking to everyone involved. And like, there's so many things like behind the scenes that like have still not come out about stuff that happened. Like some of the crazy stories from behind the scenes during that whole uh, situation. But that was uh, probably the craziest time. Like it was weird going to every Magic game and there's just tons of national media from ESPN and Yahoo and all that, like at the games, just because they all want to see what's gonna happen with Dwight. Um, but yeah, Dwight's rookie year was my first year covering the Magic. So, um, you know, I kind of missed that Tracy McGrady era. And then during the whole Dwight era, um, you know, I was there, but yeah, those are some of them. Uh, but yeah, there's been a bunch of guys over the years that like I've gotten to know pretty well. It's been pretty fun. Yeah, I have no idea how we're going to follow up 24-hour uh, <laughs> fitness with Kyle O'Quinn and, and Floyd Mayweather. I got a, a chance to meet Kyle O'Quinn. Um, this is at a fan event years and years ago. I, I won tickets to to a Magic game from the Magic on Twitter, and part of that was like a Q&A with some of the players afterwards, and it was like Tobias Harris, Kyle O'Quinn, and Kyle was so nice. There must have been like 60 or 70 fans there. He stayed the entire time, signed every autograph, took every picture, talked with every fan, just a super, super nice guy. We definitely miss him in Orlando. Again, I'm just sitting here thinking, trying to rack my brain how we're going to follow up <laughs> Floyd Mayweather. That's just the craziest story I think I've ever heard. But Alex, I want to talk to you more about the the current construction of the Orlando Magic. You know, you, you've had a couple of tweets recently about how exciting the young core of the Magic are going to be. And I just wanted to ask you, like, what, what are your current opinions on the team what players really excite you about you know on the magic yeah i love the direction that they're heading i feel like there's more excitement about this current young core than we've seen in in recent years like you know i've obviously covered a number of different eras of magic basketball and i feel like just talking to friends of mine fans seeing kind of reaction on twitter it feels like uh right now is kind of uh the most like hope and optimism and excitement that fans have had in some time Would, would you agree with that first of all Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I would definitely say since Dwight left, yep. this is absolutely the most excited fans have been. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I think this young core is one of the best in the NBA. You look at, you know, they just have so many talented young players. I was looking at the roster earlier. They have 12 guys who are 24 and younger or younger and 17 players who are 25 or younger. So I love that they've just stockpiled young talent. Um, you know, I think, uh, they've, they've done a great job of kind of not only, you know, adding draft picks and stuff like that and hitting on some of their draft picks, but finding young talent from other teams as well. Like a lot of guys that are just kind of low risk, high reward, like Wendell Carter Jr. was fantastic last year. I was really impressed with his breakout. Uh, we actually had an article at basketballnews.com by Mark Schindler, who does a great job. He interviewed, uh, Wendell one-on-one and kind of talked about his breakout and, and, um, you know, wrote about how. He was shooting the ball better from three and like kind of firing from three without hesitation. His handle had gotten tighter. You know, he was super efficient on twos. He actually almost broke the magic single season record for field goal percentage from two pointers last year. He came within like 0.2 percentage points of Dwight Howard. So, I mean, he was really, really good last year. Um, you know, obviously I, I love Paolo. I think that was a great pick. You know, you look at this team last year, they were last, dead last in the NBA and points per 100 possessions, you know, offensively, they needed some help. So I know a lot of people thought they were going to go Jabari, but I think they looked at Paolo as someone that can, you know, be that leading scorer, that that superstar type player they can build around um, and kind of be the focal point of the offense. And then sure enough, we saw in summer league, he looked great. And I think, uh, you know, that 
pick makes a ton of sense when you consider the the pieces around him uh, and just kind of how they can develop together. I think Wagner is amazing. I'm a huge fan of his. Like entering the NBA, I thought he was going to be like a high floor type player and like a really good defender. But what he did last year, I, I can't believe the success that he has a two-way player. He looks like he could become, you know, a star player, like an all-star caliber guy, which is so exciting. Um, I just love this team. I, I think, uh, again, I mentioned not only the draft picks, but like even going out and trading for a guy like Markel Fultz, who you didn't have to give up much. There's tons of upside there. Um, you know, he's obviously had some issues and stuff, but uh, in, terms, in terms of injuries and, and things there, um, but I'm excited to see what he can do this season. Like there's so many young guys in this team that uh, it's hard to even touch on all of them. Uh, the Jonathan Isaac thing is weird. I want to get your thoughts on that because it's been so long now. I know recently they came out and said, you know, still no timetable to return. Uh, he's out indefinitely. It's just crazy. Like I saw the stat about how, or the, uh, like a tweet about how he got injured before Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow has since come back, led his team to the Super Bowl, and and played. Like it's just kind of crazy to think that he went down in the bubble and is still dealing with that same injury because of setbacks. Yeah, I mean, we we got a chance to talk to Jonathan at Media Day, and you know, if you ask me from my perspective, he seems like he feels like he's ready. Um, so obviously, he was coming back from the ACL in the the 2020-2021 season that was shortened. Um, wasn't able to make it back. Then we thought, you know, maybe we were going to see him last season. And I think it was in March. So he injured the left knee in March. He had a right hamstring injury that he had to undergo a procedure for. And the the um, the timetable on that, I believe, was like four to six months, like the the total rehab from the hamstring injury. So at this point, he's he's gotten through all of the elements of the rehab. Like he's running, he's jumping, he's shooting, he's playing one-on-one. He's defending, you know, at multiple positions, multiple positions in different drills, but he hasn't. His body hasn't gotten to the point where um, he's able to do that like consecutive days or mm-hmm. at enough consecutive days to where the training staff is like, okay, we can get you in, you know, full court activity. The um, the impression that we got at media day was that it shouldn't be too much longer um, before he's starting to be like reintegrated, you know, into practices and things like that. Now, how much is too much longer? I don't know. It's been over two years at this point, but he says the light is at the end of the tunnel. He can see the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of his rehab. So we're just like very, very, very anxiously awaiting his return. I, I wanted to ask you, Alex, you know, I, I, we're very biased here at the six man show. We we don't hide that whatsoever. But if you ask me, just because of some of the circumstances that the Magic had last year, the slew of injuries that they've had, every team battled COVID last year. 22 and 60 last season. I feel like this team was much closer to a 30 win team in terms of just talent and the way they were playing at the end of the year. What's your outlook uh, for the Magic this season? What are your expectations? Yeah, I think the Eastern Conference is is much improved. There's so many talented teams. Like, let's go through right now. I think Toronto uh, is a playoff team. Boston, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Cleveland. Um, let's see, Chicago, Milwaukee, Miami. Like, I think it's uh, Brooklyn. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to make the playoffs. You know, I think they potentially could compete for you know one of the final play in spots. But there's gonna be some really good teams in the East this year that that missed the playoffs. Uh, just because there's so many teams that are kind of going for it and made some big moves in the off season. So here, I, I haven't actually done this. I just went through and named those teams. Let's count: Brooklyn, uh, Miami, Milwaukee. Cleveland, Atlanta, Philly, 
Boston, uh, Toronto, that right there is eight. So then if we say they're going to compete with, I guess, Chicago, uh, Indiana's tanking or the rebuilding. New York, I'm not sure they're there yet. Washington, no. Charlotte, Detroit could be better. I think they're kind of in that mix where they're competing with the Detroits and uh, Chicago's. I, I might be missing a team here, but um, it's going to be tough to make the playoffs. And, and I'm, I, I don't think that this year they need to make the playoffs for this season to be considered a success either. I think if they, you know, the young guys show internal development and take that next step forward, if they're able to, um, you know, improve the offense and uh, kind of build around Paolo and, and uh, you know, show improvement there. I think this year could be like that last year they need to take a step forward. Um, but it's possible, you know, they could surprise everyone. I think um, they have a lot of talent on this team. It really comes down to, are the young guys ready to take that next step in their development? Uh, what, you know, will Paolo's presence kind of uh, be like, what kind of impact will he have on the team on both ends? So it's possible they make the play in. Um, it's just tough because the East is so improved. There's so many talented teams. Uh, where, where do you have them? Like, how do you have them making the playoffs or the play in? I don't have them making the playoffs right now. I have them like ultimately being competitive for the play in and yeah. maybe just missing it by a couple of games at the end of the year. And I think that's a successful season for the Magic, just playing meaningful games into March and like the beginning of April. If the season is over by February, something went like really, really wrong for the Magic this year. I think they need to be competitive into the last few weeks of the season. I think it's possible that they could get one of the play-in spots. Now, do they win the play-in tournament and, you know, earn a, a playoff spot? I, I kind of doubt that this season. Um, but, you know, if everything goes right, like you said, if we see internal development from guys like Jalen Suggs and, you know, Franz Wagner looks like he's getting ready to take a, a second-year leap. If we get a full season of Markel Fultz. If we get a mostly healthy season from, you know, Jonathan Isaac. If Paolo Bancaro has a great rookie season. If Wendell Carter builds upon what he was able to achieve last year, if Cole Anthony is able to sustain the kind of success that he had at the beginning of last season, then I think the the Magic are really cooking with something. Um, but yeah, the East is just really, really good. Like you said, you're going to have to jump some pretty good teams. One or two teams that you think is going to make the playoffs, something happens every year and somebody yeah. kind of falls out of that race. The Magic just really need everything to break the right way for them in order to be able to get one of those playing spots. I think it's possible, but that's like best case scenario, I think this year for the magic. Yeah. Well said. I, I think when you just talk about that young core, like it's so exciting to think what this team could be in two, three, four years, just because they're all kind of on the same timeline as far as their development. Even a guy like Jonathan Isaac, we talked about how he's been out for a while. He's been in the league for some time now. He just turned 25 years old. So again, you know, you're talking about on like the training camp roster, 17 players, 25 or younger, I'm just really excited about this team's future and kind of where they're headed. Um, I'm excited to see what Jalen Suggs can do too. You know, last year obviously didn't have maybe the impact that people had expected or hoped for, but what are your thoughts on kind of Suggs and what we'll see from him? Well, I mean, offensively, definitely there was a lot of struggles there, a lot to be desired, but you know, defensively, like he, in my opinion, he was borderline elite, you know, from a, a perimeter defender last year, a lot of the metrics that you look at, like, you know, he's grouped with guys, you know, like Lonzo Ball, who wasn't you know healthy the entire season, but guys like Drew Holiday and, and Patrick Beverly, some of these other guys that we think of as elite perimeter defenders. You know, Jalen was was guarding the other team's best you know guard every single night. You know, night in and night out when he was healthy. Um, if he can make some strides offensively, lower the turnovers, increase the efficiency shooting, you know, behind the arc, I think we can see a big leap out of Jalen Suggs. But right now, there's just so much going on. 
at that guard position. Markel Fultz is dealing with a broken toe, so we're not seeing him right now in training camp or the preseason. So what's the lineup going to look like when he's back? You know, Cole looked really, really good in our first preseason game. So it's super exciting, but at the same time, I do not envy Jamal Mosley for yeah. the decisions that he needs to make in terms of where he's going to plug these guys into the lineup here. Alex, one of the last things I wanted to ask you about is, you know, we talk about the future of the Orlando Magic. There still is a chance that they're a lottery team again this season and hoping for a high draft pick. We own the Bulls pick this year as well, depending on how healthy that team can can be. Uh, that pick might be looking really good for us as well. As we record this Wednesday night, last night on Tuesday, we got to watch Victor Wembenyama uh, and the, the, you know, the team that he plays for in France uh, face off against the G League Ignite, Scoot Henderson in Las Vegas. What were your thoughts on that game and, and those prospects? That was so much fun. I mean, I think the number one, number two pick are, are pretty much a lock at this point. We'll see what order. I think <laughs> it's going to be pretty tough for Victor not to go number one. I mean, he's been on, you know, people in NBA circles have loved him for like several years now, just with the upside and he's starting to put it together. You know, he can dominate on both ends. He's just a, a generational prospect. We don't see guys like that come along every, you know, very often as far as not only the size, the length and the defensive dominance, but also being able to pull up from three. Like he makes the game look so easy. It's not really fair. So, uh, and then I think Scoot, he's a great player too. Like I've been talking to some people today and, and they were blown away with what he showed last night. Like obviously Victor kind of uh, stole a lot of the headlines and, and played really well. But I mean, Scoot is a fantastic player. Uh, I love his confidence. Uh, we did a, a feature on him about a year and a half ago at Basketball News where, you know, he talked about how he wants to be one of the greatest guards of all time. Um, you know, he has a lot of NBA veterans that are kind of mentors for him. Guys like, like Colin Sexton, uh, obviously Jason Hart, who's a G League Ignite uh, coach. Like he has a lot of guys in his camp that are kind of helping him and giving the right advice. Uh, and he's a fantastic player. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's where if you're Orlando, obviously you want to take the step forward and, uh, and try to compete for one of those playing spots. Um, I think really we saw they were 18th in defense last year. If they can, you know, climb up a few spots on defense, crack that top 15, top 13, and then just show some improvement on offense. Obviously, from dead last, they, they can't get much worse. Um, but if they can, you know, end up being a top 20 offense, then you're talking about a, a team that can, you know, surprise some people. So if they don't do that, though, you almost want them. It's going to be tough for them to get one of those top two spots, barring some crazy lottery luck, just because I think you're going to see teams this year, whether it's San Antonio, Utah, there's going to be a number of teams that are tanking for Victor, uh, we're already seeing like talk of that. I, I think last night Woj had a tweet uh, about how it's going to be a race to the bottom for a number of teams. Uh, and I get it. You know, y you see a player like that and what he could mean for your franchise for, you know, the next decade. Uh, you it's tempting. Um, and I think it can be tough for GMs to come to sell ownership on a tank when there's not a clear cut number one prospect. But if you can point to Victor Wembanyama and say, hey, we're going to get this guy and the owner can, you know, kind of understand a little bit better and maybe, you know, they have some more leeway to tank. So um, I think it's going to be tough for the Magic to get one of those top picks, but you never know. I mean, uh, there we've gotten some, uh, I say we, this is my former Magic fan talking. That's right. That's right. Come <laughs> it's coming on back. back. Uh, there's been lottery luck in the past, so you never know. I mean, uh, I guess that that's where not making the playoffs wouldn't be the worst thing if you have a shot at getting one of these kind of guys that are, you know, they look like they're fantastic players. I mean, just imagine one of those pieces added to this young core that's already ridiculous. Uh, I mean, if you're a Magic fan, that seems amazing. It doesn't get much better than that.
Yeah, a lot of Magic fans today were already talking about like, all right, we got to crank up the old tankathon. I'm <laughs> hoping that we can uh, stave that off for the most part of this season. Alex, this was a lot of fun, man. Thank you so much for joining the show. Can you tell our listeners where they can find your uh, work? Yeah, check out basketballnews.com. We have a ton of articles, podcasts, videos. Um, we cover every team. We've actually done a lot of Magic content in recent years, uh, a bunch of features and analysis of the team. So check out basketballnews.com. Uh, we have a bunch of podcasts. I recommend it. And you can follow me on Twitter at AlexKennedyNBA. Thanks, Alex. Thanks so much. Let's do it again. This is fun. That was our conversation with Alex Kennedy from basketballnews.com. Again, that was a ton of fun. The kid has been covering the Orlando Magic since 2004. Kevin, that's a, a long, long time. That was a lot of fun talking to Alex. Yeah, he's great and someone I've been, you know, reading his stuff and following his his coverage, I guess, you know, ever since. You know, 2004 is when I really kind of fell in love with the team and have been following every step of the way since. So I've been reading his stuff for a long time. So it's really cool to have him on the show. I know it definitely won't be the last time. Yeah, so he, w- he wrote for Real GM like all the way back right. in the day as 14 years old. Did you have, like, if you read his stuff back there, you would never have had any idea that it was a 14-year-old kid getting chaperoned by his dad in the Orlando Magic locker room. Like, can you believe that? Yeah, that's awesome. And he just had some great stories, you know, about Steve Francis, Jameer Nelson, Kyle O'Quinn. Uh, man, that was just a lot of fun. Really appreciate Alex joining the show. Kevin, we've got two preseason games coming up this week. Um, one tonight, as our listeners are, are getting ready to listen to this, they're getting ready to play against uh, the San Antonio Spurs. And then coming up, we've also got the Dallas Mavericks here. We got my prediction and, and Luke's prediction you know, earlier this week, Kevin. Uh, what are what are your thoughts on these uh, two upcoming games Thursday and Friday? Yeah. Um, first off, scheduling a back-to-back in the preseason is dumb, like big dumb. I don't understand that. That makes no sense. You got most of these teams, like the Spurs, they've got like at least two games or two days between every preseason game. Like they played Saturday and they play... Um, or no, that was it. They only play Saturday. That was their last game. So they played Saturday and they play us tonight. That's crazy. And then they have like two games. And anyway, we're, we've got a back to back. So naturally, I'm I'm gonna go one and one. I think we beat the Spurs. Then we lose in Dallas the next game. Um, not just because of the back to back, but Dallas is really good and they'll be rested and all that stuff. But San Antonio is not good. They lost by like 38 to Houston on Saturday. Um, I don't know if we'll win by 38, but I think I think we'll be in good shape. I did want to mention that game Thursday night. I'm a little concerned, Jonathan. So uh, the game Monday against Memphis, Memphis broadcast that game, you know, on their Bally Sports Southeast, I think is their Bally Sports uh, name. Uh, Thursday night's game against the Spurs, not broadcast on Bally Sports Florida. And the Spurs are broadcasting it where they say on the Spurs app. So their own team app. It's not being broadcast on Bally Sports Southwest or whatever their thing is. So I'm really concerned about finding this game. Uh, because their game on Saturday was also on the Spurs app and it was not on League Pass. And so even though it says, League Pass says it's broadcasting this game Thursday night, they said that on Saturday and it didn't show up. So I really don't know what's going to happen. I hope we can watch this game, but you know, it might be a little bit of a mad scramble tomorrow night or tonight as you're listening to this to watch that game. So we'll we'll see. If, if we find something, if it is on League Pass, obviously we'll tweet it out. Um, but otherwise, it's going to be a mad scramble, I think. Well, Luke Sylvia, you know, he kind of put the message out on the last episode to reach out to his personal DMs on Twitter for anybody that was looking for a link. And he hit us up. He's like, I've got like 15 people DMing me right now. So I might be sliding into good old Luke Sylvia's DMs and 
you know, finding some uh, less desirable ways to watch this game. But hey, you got to watch the magic. You know what I mean? And yep. you know, for you know, there's a lot of people that love League Pass. I can tell you from experience from Monday night, there's a lot of people that hate League Pass. Mm. And uh, we'll we'll see what happens with this game. But hopefully, we can find a way to watch our Orlando Magic. I remember, I don't know, like four or five seasons ago, finding this janky link when they were playing in Charlotte. And it was just like the video board view yep. of the game the, the entire Jumbotron time. No view. commentary. The Jumbotron view, exactly. There was no score. Like it was it was terrible. There was no score at times, I should say. Right. Half the time we're like, okay, what's what's the score of this game right now? What's going on? But yeah, just get it together, folks. We want to give you money to be able to watch our teams. Please stop making it so difficult. It's 2022. Really appreciate like, that. what are we doing? It's 2022. Like, you know how hard it is to set up a camera and like plug it in the internet and just say, hey, watch us. You know, it's stupid. I don't know. I know there's all kinds of politics and rights involved and everything. But I mean, come on. If 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 you and I can put this together right now with this camera and put it on the internet, I would think the multi-billion dollar organization of the NBA and these different teams could figure it out too. It's frustrating. If we can figure out a live stream to the NBA lottery watch party from Harry Buffalo from my <laughs> Lenovo yoga laptop, these teams can figure out how to stream a freaking preseason game. Right. Yeah. It's Am I right? So we've got a pretty big announcement you know, as we start to get closer to the end of, of preseason here in the next week or so. Coming up on October 19th, opening night for the Orlando Magic, not at home, but on the road against the Detroit Pistons. We are partnering with the Orlando Magic to put together a watch party that night. So at 6.30, starting at 6.30, downtown at the Elixir on 9 West Washington Street in Orlando, Florida, uh, we are going to have a watch party. The The menu at this place looks ridiculous, Kevin. Anytime we have one of these watch parties, my first instinct is to go in to take a look at the menu to see what I'm going to be eating that night. I can guarantee you I'm ordering the patty melt, cheddar and fontina cheese, caramelized onions, house aioli on grilled sourdough bread. So this is, Ooh. again, at the Elixir, downtown Orlando, 9 West Washington Street, Orlando, Florida, 630. The game starts at 7, so make sure that you guys come out, man. We're trying to get you know, more events like this out in the city. We're trying to get people in the community riled up about this team. You talk about wanting to fill the Amway with Magic fans. This is how we start doing that. So we want to do as many of these events as we can. So make sure that you guys come out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And listen, this one of the other big reasons why we're saying why we're trying to get this stuff going now is because we, I think like most Magic fans, genuinely believe in where this team is going. And for us to have this fan base be where it needs to be when the team is good, we have to start now. Like we know the team's been bad for a long time, but we see the light at the end of the tunnel. And so now is the time to grow this fan base again organically not just in number, but in like passion, right? And that's where this comes from. You gather around with other Orlando Magic fans and you, you know, spend the night, you know, hanging out, talking, watching the game. It just builds a sense of community and camaraderie. And that carries over into not just the community, but into the arena. And as the team grows, we grow. It's all part of the plan, man, right? So it starts today, it starts now. So be there, you know, come check it out. Elixir, it's going to be great. And I can tell you, like, the atmosphere that just naturally takes place in these kind of events is it's addictive. And I, I know this for a fact because we had plenty of people that came out to the draft lottery watch party uh, from, like, my personal life that didn't really care about the magic but were there because it was a big event for me. It was a big event for the show. 
And after what they came up to me, they're like, man, I can't wait for this season. This was so much fun. Any event that you guys have, let, let, let us know. We'll drive out to Orlando. So fans really can be created at these events. Like if you come out to that game, that watch party against the Detroit Pistons, and you bring somebody that doesn't care about the magic, if Paolo Bancaro hits a game winner and we all go freaking crazy in the elixir, guess what? We have a magic fan for life. So that's yeah. what we're trying to cultivate. So please make sure that you guys come out. I just want to mention again, partnering with the Magic and Michelob Ultra for this event. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, and I'll just say one more thing on this. I know, but I'm just passionate about this. All right. All of us, like if you're, first off, if you're, if you're listening to the show, you're a diehard Magic fan, right? Like you care about the show, especially if you're listening now, you know, we're all the way at the end of the episode. Uh, but if you're like us, you are usually mocked and made fun of for being a diehard Orlando Magic fan, right? Or at the very least, you're just the only one that you know, like the only one in your family, only one at your, at your workplace, at your school, whatever it is. And so to be in a room full of, you know, insane lunatics like us that all love this team, you know, for better or worse, for richer or poorer, it's, it's really empowering and it's fun. And you're like, Hey, I'm not the only one here. And, uh, or I'm not the only one around, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so it's really cool. People literally make friends at this stuff. You know, we've had people that, you know, meet and then now they're friends and they hang out and all that kind of stuff. And so definitely be there. It's the start of something cool. And we're definitely excited to be a part of it. That was inspiring, Kevin. Like I got, I got the chills like midway through that. I'm freaking pumped right now. So make sure you guys come out. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then the 19th, two days later, me and Kevin are going to be in Atlanta watching our magic Ooh. take on the Atlanta Hawks. So if you guys ATL. are going to be at that game, would love to say what's up to you guys. And then I'm catching a flight the next morning to come back, fly into Tampa to drive to Orlando to cover the game and, and watch the, the home opener against the Boston Celtics. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Madman. They're, they're also, by the way, I saw this on Reddit too. There are a lot of Magic fans going to that Atlanta game. So seriously, if you are going, let us know. Hit us up. We'll do, maybe we'll try and find whoever's going to be there and do like a little meetup and take pictures and hang out or whatever. But um, yeah, a, a surprising number of people are going to be in Atlanta for that game. So it should be fun. Super excited for that. That is going to do it for us this episode. For Kevin Tucker, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You guys are listening to The Six Man Show. We will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sixth Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.